I want you to do something today. I want you to imagine this with me. I'm going to give you a scenario. I want you to just imagine this in your mind, okay? Imagine that one day, okay, one day we get the news when we were watching the news, maybe we were listening to the radio or whatever, and we suddenly, breaking news, Almighty God has decided to make an appearance here on earth, okay? Make an appearance here on earth on the Cape, you know, wouldn't you know? Amazing. And he's, gonna, he's going to come and allow you to meet him face to face, be in his presence. Okay, that, that would be a big deal. Now, this is just our imaginations this morning. Just imagine that. God, and it's, it's, you know, obviously you're going to still have your conspiracy theory, people that don't believe it's real. But for the majority of the population, you're gonna, they're going to know like, hey, you know, whether the angels came down and said it or something, this is for real. All the news stations, even CNN is saying, hey, God is going to be here and he's going to meet with us. This is, this is real deal. And suddenly people that were atheists or that said they were atheists suddenly are not atheists anymore. Non-believers suddenly become believers and, and Christians from all over the world start scrambling to get to the Cape. Like it's going to be the summer, like Memorial Day to Labor Day times like a thousand. Everybody is trying to get here like to meet the Lord, whether the, the, the airlines are all booking up and, and the rental car companies are getting big business. And man, this is exciting. Everybody is doing whatever they can to meet here, to, to, to come here to meet the creator of the universe. The countdown begins each day that we get closer to that big day of meeting God, our excitement grows. Uh, uh, you know, you, you, the morning of, you know, the big day, you know, here it comes. This is the day we wake up and, and, and we get dressed and we make sure we look, you know, man, what, what, what am I going to wear? And you make sure you brush your teeth. I'm going to meet God. I want to have bad breath. And you brush your teeth and you use extra Listerine and you jump in the car and you pull up to the venue. Let's just say that they're, they're, they're blocking off the mall there in Hyannis and, and, and man, all the stores are closed and all the parking is only for God. To meet God there. And you get there and you're like, you know, you think the traffic on 28 is bad now. Hey, just imagine. I mean, that rotary's backed up, and you don't, but you don't care. You're like, hey, I get to meet God. I'll wait as long as it takes. And you finally get to this police directing traffic, people running to the main doors right there by Barnes and Nobles, just sprinting. Just try to imagine this. I mean, they're running. I'm going to meet God. And, and you see the line is just out the door, and you find you park on some lawn somewhere, and you just run up to the front, and the line is out the door and weaving through the mall past all the stores to a certain location there deep in the mall where you get to meet God. God is waiting to meet you. Get a spot in line. You anxiously wait. There's people of all ages there, kids and families and, and people, uh, senior citizens, and, and just you see the smiles on people's faces. And there's probably going to be some picketers out there too. You know, that always happens. But for the, the most part, everybody's just excited. Just imagine that. Just imagine that. After hours and hours, you finally, you're finally in a spot where you can see the doorway entering into that room where you get to meet God. And before you know it, you're next in line. You're next in line. You're like, man, you start to get all excited and nervous. And could this really be happening? You take a step forward uh, toward the doorway. Your heart is pounding with excitement. You take another step. Your mind is racing with what's about to happen. You can't believe it. Everything you've always believed and sung about, now you get to meet them. And you're now at the doorway, nervously, nervously thrilled to step inside and see the maker of all things. You're about to enter the presence of God, the one who has given you everything. Life, joy, salvation, peace, on and on. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? Am I going to sing? Am I going to fall on my knees and worship Him? The time has come. You can't believe it. You're here. You step inside the room. 
my God, my King, my provider, my friend. As you step into the presence of God, your mind is just flooded with everything that He's ever done for you. Everything He's ever done for me, my, my salvation, He sent His Son, my family that He's given me, that's God. Every valley that He's walked me through starts to go through your head. Every storm that He's calmed, every need He's provided, every failure that He's forgiven, every wrong that He's made right, that's my God. I'm His child. I get to meet Him. What a moment that would be. Now, I know that that's not going to happen. I know it's not going to happen. But the Bible does say that God inhabits the praises of His people. The Bible does say that where two or three are gathered in His name, that He's there in the midst. He did say that I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Listen, each Sunday morning, each Sunday morning at 58 Traders Lane in the in-law apartment, listen, we gather together to worship God. Through song, through our worship time, uh, uh, through the preaching and hearing of His Word, that's worship. Through the prayers of thankfulness and, and dependence on God. Listen, we worship God together. And you've got to believe that He is here. You've got to believe that. So listen, it may not be that big grand story of, of being able to walk into a room, but listen, He is here. You've got to remember that. It's so easy to forget, especially if we grow up in church that, listen, this is we call it the house of God for a reason. I want to focus today on the praise aspect of worship through the singing in our church. Listen, I love what we get to do on Sundays. I love it. I look forward to, to when there's even more voices and we have people coming and we're in a different... I look forward to that when our worship grows and I look forward to having an actual worship leader, someone that then I can sit with my wife and, and just blast away. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the future. I love the opportunity that we're given here at Coastline to worship God. I love it. So what is worship? We talked about worship last week and uh, about worshiping God in spirit and in truth. What is worship? Worship as a noun, the dictionary says it's the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration. That's the noun. Worship as a verb is just is the verb version. It's just showing reverence, showing adoration for something. Listen, we have been created by God and we've been created for God. The Bible says in Colossians 1 verse 16, for by him were all things created. We know that that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. I mentioned this last week. We are created to worship. We are hardwired. There's something in us built into our nature that God made us in His image to worship. We're hardwired to worship. And last week we talked about the importance of how and whom we worship. Instead of the where, that lady at the well, remember she was so focused on where they were supposed to worship. And Christ said, listen, it's not about the where, it's about who, it's about how. And this week I want to talk about the why we worship, the next two weeks, the why we worship. And the where is going to be, I'm talking about coastline, talking about our church, when we are given the opportunity to worship. Listen, in the house of God, at coastline, worship flows from the heart, worship engages the mind, and worship should show itself in our voice and even in our posture. Listen, I was, uh, we watched Super Bowl a few weeks back. And, um, you know, it was the only big, biggest problem was that the Patriots were not in it. It was a problem. 
But we watched it. And you know who's still around Super Bowl Sunday? Tom Brady. Okay? Amen. Hallelujah. Tom Brady, he's the man. Okay. But listen, uh, there's a big commercial. Have you seen a commercial for Tom Brady for Hulu or whatever? So we're all sitting in the family watching the game. And the commercial comes up. And we're like, oh, it's Tom Brady. And it's, it's a hilarious commercial. I don't know if you saw it. But like, it's, it's like he's about to say like, that he's leaving the Patriots. He's like, I feel like I should talk to my fans first. Blah, blah, blah. They deserve to hear it from me. And it's like black and white. He's got Gillette and this black jacket. It's really corny, but really well made. And then, like, it's a commercial. He's like, Hulu has it. And he starts, and it's hilarious. It's a funny commercial. At the end of the commercial, we're all sitting there, like, on the edge of our seats. At the end of the commercial, um, Tom Brady says, You know, Hulu is something. And they said, Oh, yeah, and by the way, you know, I'm not going anywhere. And our whole family just, like, it was so, it was such a fun. I will never forget that moment. It was so much fun. We were cracking up. It was great. But listen, in that moment, my heart was moved. And I don't mean in a worship way, but I'm just going to explain to you just the emotional side of it. Listen, I love the Patriots. It's fun. I enjoy it. It's a family thing. It, 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 it's, it's, you know, it's a hobby, and it's okay to love your hobbies. And so my heart was, I'm like, oh, you know, you know, as he said that, you know, I'm like hanging on every word. My mind held on to every word he was saying, like, okay, what's, what's he going to say? What's going to happen here? And then my posture even changed because when he said, I'm not going anywhere, I remember me and mom, all of us were like, yeah, we all got pumped up. It was hilarious. Listen, I showed a lot of emotion in that dumb Hulu commercial, okay? How much more important, and I, 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 I'm going to say I don't like preaching guilt, like you need to do this because you do this. I'm not saying that, but I, for me personally, I thought, listen, how much more important is it though, really? The worship of the almighty creator. Jesus Christ, our Savior, our guiding spirit, worshiping God, how much more important is it? When it comes to worship in the church, worship at Coastline, worship for you personally, because listen, you can worship in your car. I worship in my car all the time, man. Me and my kid, I'm driving Bub to school, I'm listening to a song, and I'm like crying. He's like looking at me like, what's going on with that, you know? I'm just worshiping, man. God is just working on my heart. I'm just thanking God and worshiping Him. Every Sunday, you are given the opportunity to worship God with a group of believers. Every Sunday you are. Listen, we have to remember that worship is not about us. Worship is not about you. It's not about me. When, when, when our worship starts to become about our likes, our dislikes, it ceases to be worship. It's no longer worship of God. Maybe it's worship of ourselves. When it seems to become all about us, listen, there are, there are great old songs. We sang one today, the old rugged cross. And we're going to sing those great old songs. And there are great new songs. And we're going to sing those too. Listen, because I believe that, that truth, the truth of a song, transcends association. That's, that's my heart as a pastor. Listen, you say, well, so-and-so sing. Listen, if the song is true, if the song is biblical, if the song is scriptural, if the song is full of doctrine, I'm going to sing it. And I'm going to worship God. Truth transcends uh, uh, style. Truth transcends tradition. Oftentimes we get so caught up in our traditions of how we always did it. Truth is bigger than that. Listen, you go ahead and read the New Testament and see what, it's, what it says about tradition. A lot of, lot of scripture. I'm not going to go into that today. Truth transcends our preferences. We have to remember that. If we're not careful, if we're not careful, our personal preference of worship overshadows the purpose of worship. And it happens all the time. And it's happened in my life. Listen, God does not have a favorite. God's not just into bluegrass. 
<laughs> There's people who probably believe that. Like the only he only is pleased with 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 our you know. And I love bluegrass, by the way. I enjoy you know bluegrass gospel. I think it's great. But it's, we we almost we we put God in this box. Man, worship is bigger than 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 that kind of stuff. Our preferences. May, may we not let those overshadow. The purpose of worship is this. Worship is declaring with our lips and our lives that God is more important to us than anything else. That He is our deepest desire. That His worth is beyond everything else we hold dear. That is worship. And by the way, Preference is not a sin. I'm not trying to say like you shouldn't have... Listen, we all have preferences. We all have different music tastes that, that show themselves in our lives. We have different cultures we grew up and that's fine in our car, in our home. I understand that. But when we carry our desire for our preferences of music, of song choice, of what instruments are being used, when we carry all those preferences into worship, into our corporate church worship and make it the main thing, our worship becomes self-focused. It does. Without us maybe even realizing it, our worship becomes self-focused to where a good worship service is one that we enjoyed, where we knew all the songs, we liked all the songs, and a bad or a eh, worship service was one that didn't really suit us or fit with our style. That is not right. Our worship has become self-focused. We assess the quality of the worship by what it meant to us. But the worship isn't for us. Remember, it's it's it's. By us, for God. That's what worship is. We have to remember that. And listen, for a lot, for me, for me, I had to, I had to kind of break some bad habits that I had. Well, I became really critical of things. When I'd be in a church setting, we went on deputation all across, all different kinds of churches, all different kinds of music. And I suddenly was like, huh, I didn't know God could bless this kind of service. And I suddenly felt like really small. And my pride really began to feel even small. I said, man, I, I've, I've been critical I've been ungodly in my thoughts towards other ministries and pastors and friends of mine that might do things a little bit different than I've always known them. Every week you are placed in a situation where you are given a choice. You don't get to pick the songs. You don't get to pick the instruments that are played. You, don't get to, you just get to come to church. You are given the opportunity to place in a situation where you have a choice to make uh, to worship or not to worship. Every week. And that's, for every church, we are given a choice to worship or not to worship. And we make that choice. No one's stiff-arming us. We make that choice. Reasons, there's so many reasons why people don't worship. I'm going to go through a few. Reasons that we don't worship sometimes. You know, I'm talking about true, authentic, real worship in spirit and in truth, lifting our voices to God. I'm talking about in a church setting here. I'm talking about in our, in our praise time, in our singing time. Listen, there's reasons people don't do it. Number one is the fear of man. People say, well, what are people going to think of me? If I sing out too loud, they're going to look at me. Oh, well, I don't sound that good. Well, I don't want to draw attention to myself. Sometimes, man, God is working your heart so much, and you want to like lift a hand, but you're like, I don't want to look like a weirdo. I don't want to do this. Blah, blah. Fear of man. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man bringeth a snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. And the fear of man hinders our worship. The devil's no idiot. He knows, he knows what to do. He knows what's going to make you feel insecure and bad about yourself. And he will use it even in God's house to get you not to worship. Maybe you're not used to it. 
You know, maybe there's some newer songs. Or hey, listen, there's, there's, there's in some cases people have only grown up in maybe a contemporary church, and they go to a church that sings hymns, and they're not used to those. So I'm saying it's both sides. They're not used to it. Maybe the, the repetition in a song seems kind of weird to them. Like, this is kind of odd. Or, or you know, I don't really know this song. And, and so instead of trying to learn and trying to worship and doing your best, they kind of just kind of hang back and just kind of make their way through it and just kind of try, try to just get through it. They don't worship. Sometimes it's preconceived notions about worship. It's different than what I'm used to. You know, th- th- that's what I told you for, for me. There's, you know, this, this must be wrong. I grew up in a, uh, uh, the Christian school I went to was, was um, a Baptist church, but their music was completely contemporary. And the church that we grew up in um, was the opposite. It was very, very traditional. And I thank God for it. And I remember I led worship uh, on the worship team in high school, and my heart was not right with God at all, at all. And I played guitar, and I jammed out, and we had a good time. So for many years after, you know, the Lord began to work on my heart, I started to think, well, yeah, all that stuff that I did in high school, that was all just empty, and it's just not real, and blah, blah, blah. Listen, it had nothing to do with the songs being sung, or even the instruments being played. It had to do with my heart. I'm trying to blame everything else of why, you know, this, when it's us, we have, you know, well, this makes me feel uncomfortable. So it must not be right. I had, we had my first youth rally I ever did in, in, in Michigan back in 2012. Um, we had a tour group come from Grace Baptist College, and they sang God's Been Good. Ever heard that song, God's Been Good? Beautiful song. They sang I Stand Redeemed. Wonderful song. It's in, it's in the hymnal from uh, North Valley. Beautiful songs. I got a letter, an email a few weeks later. I'm sorry, the next year I, got a, I sent out email invites, and this one youth pastor um, emailed me. This is a big, long letter. And usually long letters are just... Not thanking you for how great of a job you did last year. And he had all this stuff to say. He said, man, your music was very fleshly and worldly and very empty lyrics. You know, in those songs, God's been good and stand redeemed. And, and my teenagers felt uncomfortable. You know, so we're just not going to come back. Now, my spirit in that moment when I read the email was not godly. <laughs> I'll tell you that. It bothered me. It hurt my feelings. I was very insecure at the time. At that time, really, really struggling with it. And it really beat me up. And you start to just like wonder... But looking back now, there's almost some pity there that someone can have such preconceived notions about what worship is supposed to look like. And if it looks any different than this, it must be wrong. If I feel weird about it, it must be wrong. And I look back, I mean, that guy's missing out. That guy's missing out on what God can do (laughs) and on worship. So we have preconceived notions about worship, so we just assume that it must not be right. So we don't worship. Sometimes we're not focused. We choose to think about other things. I understand we have busy lives. I understand, I understand that, you know, you know, during football season, people think about, we, we choose to think about other things during worship. The enemy is, like I said, no idiot. He's going to distract us. We're not focused during worship time. We focus on other things. Listen, I'm telling you, in a little church plant like ours, it's hard to stay focused sometimes. You got kids running around. You got Seth coming here laying down. I understand that. I get that. And you know who else understands that? I know the Lord understands that. we got to take care of kids, coffee spills. I understand we got to take care of that kind of stuff. But I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about the stuff that's kind of out of our control. I'm talking about our minds wandering. Thinking about work, thinking about this, thinking about that. And not thinking about what we're singing. Not thinking about, hey, I, I'm, I'm, worship, I'm supposed to be worshiping God right now. This is my opportunity at Coastline with my brothers and sisters in Christ to lift my voice to God and worship God. Him. We're not focused. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. In our worship time, we're just focused on other things. Oftentimes, we're, we're self-focused. 
We're, we wish it was different. It's too slow. It's too fast. It's too loud. It's too this. It's, and and we're just, we become very self-focused in our worship. And the enemy uses that. He uses that pride in ourselves that think, well, I could, if I did, it would be better this way or this. And he uses that. We could become self-focused and we don't worship. And this is the saddest one of all. And I hope that's not the sake for any of us, but it's just not real to us. We're, we're apathetic about worship. It's just not a big deal to us. We really don't see it for what it is. And listen, now I was guilty of that. Listen, I led singing. I've been leading singing since I was, you know, in college. And before, even in high school, I'd lead singing. The Cross America testimony shows we used to have and, and all, those, all those times. And you know what? With, with, when you get so used to that and leading singing, it's, it's, it's very easy to kind of lose sight of what you're doing. And in our lives, we, we can, without even realizing, we can get apathetic about our worship. And we don't see it for what it is. Whether it's our sin of, of not worshiping, we don't see it. We don't think it's a big deal. We're like, we're just going to get through this. We're getting, preaching's coming up and blah, 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 blah. And we, don't, we don't realize that we're, we're sinning when we don't worship. When, we, when we're given an opportunity to worship and we choose not to, that's a sin. <laughs> that's wrong. We don't, but we don't see it that way. And part of the reason is because we don't realize what's really supposed to be going on. The worship of God in those moments when we sing together, and even when we stumble through songs together. Listen, God's not there saying, oh, you missed that note there, Donald, or oh, you missed that time. Listen, no, we're just supposed to be worshiping God focused on Him. We're missing it. We're missing it. The truth is, listen, He is worthy of our worship. He deserves our worship, and we have no reason not to worship. No reason to not worship. No reason, no good reason not to worship. So much more than we wake it. It's not than we make it. It's not just a, a song service. And listen, I, as pastor of Coastal Baptist Church, I don't want just a song service. I don't want just, you know, the first 15 minutes to just be, well, we got to sing two, three songs, and we're going to pray in between, and then we're going to get to the important part, the preacher. I don't want it to be that way. I want a worship service. I want a worship service. I believe it's biblical. I want a worship service. Oftentimes, what should be the worship through song part of the service has become nothing more than just time filler. It's just us singing words to musical notes that we've known for years singing along to songs that we enjoy or in some cases just standing around moving our mouths until it's all done. And that happens, by the way, in any kind of church, traditional, contemporary, happens anywhere. And it's not based on musical style or denomination. It's a heart issue that happens everywhere. People choose not to worship. It should be the time when we are singing. Yes, we are singing songs, but it's worship. We're gathered together, standing to our feet, lifting our voices, not to me, not to each other, but to God. Listen, I, I've got to... You have to imagine that sometimes it, maybe it'll help if you just think I'm the, you're the only person in the room. It's me and God. God is worshipped. I am the worshiper. God is the audience, and I am the performer of that worship. And by the way, we in, 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 in Baptist churches, we often hate the word performance. As Christians, we hate that word performance, and we assume its meaning just, just means like, oh, it's fake, or it's all about self-focus and self-glorification, and we just don't like the word performance. But the, the, the definition of the word performance is the pr action or process of carrying out or accomplishing an action, task, or function. We do worship as a noun. Like, it's something that we do. 
There's doing when it comes to worship. We have to use our strength and use our abilities and use our voices. So it's not a performance in the way of like, look at me and look what I can do. But it's no, it's God is the audience. And we say, Lord, I am worshiping you. I am carrying out my worship to you because you are worthy of it. The moment I start thinking of what others are thinking about me, about my worship, or focus on what others in the room are doing, sometimes we look around at what other people are doing. Listen, insecurity and pride and self-righteousness enters in. In those moments when we start to focus on other people, what they think of us, what I think of them during that worship time, and worship has left the building. (laughs) It's gone. Worship is never about me. It's always about Him. Hey, worship is never about me. It's always about Him. Mark uh, 12, 30. Part of true worship uh, includes love. We know that. We, we worship Him because we love Him, because He first loved us. Part of true worship includes love. And Mark 12, 30 says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Christ said this, With all thy heart, with all thy uh, soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And at Coastline, I want us to worship that way. I want us to worship in that Mark 12, 30, our love for God. I want us to worship. I'm going to go through these, the four things that is mentioned there with our heart. We're going to worship with your heart. Psalm 108, 1 says, Oh God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Amen. Worship God with your heart. So what do you mean, Pastor? I'm talking about believe what you're singing. Believe what you're singing. We sing, you know, I'll cherish the old rugged cross. And uh, listen, I'll cling to the old rugged cross and, and what God has done for us. We're saying, I have resurrection power. Living on the inside, Jesus, you have given me freedom. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? The freedom that we're given through Christ. He called me out of, uh, by the, from the grave by name. He, he brought me out of all my shame. Do we, do we believe that? Your heart shows itself in your face, in your voice, and even in your actions. It does. Your heart shows itself. Christ is everything. God is is with us in those moments. Do you believe that? Listen, the only good thing in you is Him. Do you believe that? So when it's time for worship, it's not about us. How we feel, how we feel about ourselves, what we think of other people, what are we going to look? It's not about us. Set your affection on things above is what we said. Listen, we lose sight. Oftentimes, it's very easy. We lose sight of the reality of all realities, that there is an infinite, limitless God who is high and exalted on His throne. We forget that. He's ruling with all power and authority over the heavens and the earth. He is God who is still running the program on His timetable. A God who overlooks our lives and looks down on us. A God who is ruling the whole universe. That's our God. And we're called to worship Him. And we forget that. And in our hearts, listen, we may say with our voice that we believe all that, but we don't think about that. That's not on our hearts. Listen, right now at this very moment, while God holds entire galaxies in place by His power, He invites us also at any time, day or night, to look up and behold Him as He is and worship Him. Father, the Son, and the Spirit, the God that He is. We are given that opportunity anytime, day or night, like I said. But we do have an opportunity every Sunday morning to do it right here. We've got to recognize that reality. Believe that truth and worship with your heart. Listen, the heart carries emotions. We have to remember that. 
The heart carries emotions. And I've heard it so many times. In that email I got, the guy talked about emotionalism. And listen, God worked in that service. I remember they, they were saying God's been good and God began to work on hearts and people came to the altar. It was, it was awesome. But in his eyes, that pastor, and again, I'm not trying to be critical of him at all. I really don't want Lord, please help me not to be a jerk. I'm not trying to be. But he cried emotionalism. Oh, that's just emotionalism. Emotionalism is, is not something to shy away from in worshiping God. We become so accustomed to that mindset. Listen, rather, emotionalism, our emotions, it's a part of how we are created by God. God's the one that created us with emotional capabilities. And we're made to be worshipers of God. The scriptures, uh, 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 the scriptures say it. Talk about worshiping with our emotions. James 5.13 says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Isaiah 52.9 says, Break forth into joy. Sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord hath comforted his people. He hath redeemed Jerusalem. Zephaniah 3.14 says, Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all the heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Listen, we're supposed to sing with emotions. Think about what God has done in your life. What he's brought you through. Some of you come into church carrying heavy burdens that have not yet been resolved. And there should be some emotions. When we sing about forever, he is glorified and he's lifted high and he's everything. We sing hallelujah and you can think, yes, I know I'm going through a valley right now. I know I'm going through a struggle right now, but God is so much bigger than all of it. And I can worship him. And even though everyone around me not, may not be faithful and may be messing things up for my life, man, God has never failed me. And I'm going to worship him this morning. Emotions. 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel. I'm gonna, I got the verses up here, but it's kind of small. I don't know if you'll be able to read it, but I'm going to read them from my Bible so I can actually see them. This is a story that I, I, I often overlook and don't really think much about. 2 Samuel chapter 6. It's about King David. And the ark of God was in Obed-Edom's house, and God had blessed him. And it says, I'm going to get there, 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 12. I'm going to read this, and you can follow along. This is verse, verse 16. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom, and all that pertaineth unto him, because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness, brought it back to Jerusalem. It's a big deal. It was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings, and David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. Remember that verse? He danced before the Lord with all his might. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Okay? Verse 17. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in his place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And as soon as David had made an end of the offering, uh, burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Okay, verse 19. And he dealt among all the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel, as well to the women as men, to everyone a cake of bread and a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. So, so man, everything's calming down. Verse number 20. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, 
How glorious was the king of Israel today, who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants, as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovereth himself. And David said unto Michael, It was before the Lord, which chose me before thy father, and before all his house, to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord, and I will yet be more vile than thus, and will be base in mine own sight. And of the maidservants which thou hast spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. Therefore Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child unto the day of her death. Read all that to just kind of show you something. Okay, here's David, ark of God coming back into the city. Very exciting. David danced before the Lord with all of his might, danced around the streets, all excited, pumped up, worshiping God. This is obviously a cultural thing back here, the dancing part of it. I don't expect to watch Steve do the moonwalk next week when we sing. Okay, actually, I might pay money to see that. So we're not talking about that. Okay, so he's dancing. He's just showing some strong emotion here. Pumped up. Michael, the daughter of Saul, you know, looks out and sees David doing this and, and gets mad and despises him. He comes in and and, uh, and <laughs> you see the sarcasm in her voice. She goes, how glorious was the king of you know, Israel today? And just says, I can't believe you know, you're dancing, in, you know, whatever, uncover yourself in front of the handmaids. Oh, my goodness. And you know, she's, just, she's mad at him. She, she's, she's yelling at him. She's scolding him for his emotional worship. Okay? And, and David says, <laughs> I love his response. He says, it was before the Lord. Like, I'm not doing it for you, sis. So. And then he even throws in a dig and says, uh, it was for the Lord which chose me before thy father. He says, by the way, I'm the king and not your dad. Like, remember, God chose me, not your dad. And he just says, and by the way, he's like, it's going to get a lot better than this. He says, listen, it's going to get a lot bigger than this. And he says, uh, and, if, and if you're not going to honor me, then what the, hand, the honor that the handmaids give me, I'll just take that. That's fine. This is about God anyway. And, you know, we see all that and you could, you could go. But we see, most importantly, God's response to Michael's criticism of David's emotional worship. You have to see that. She didn't have kids the rest of her life. She was barren until she was dead. And you think about that. You think about how God uh, viewed this woman's criticism and said, oh, I can't believe you do that. And you know what we often do, and I'm not, gonna, I'm not getting into this today, but we often are very critical of other people's worship, other churches' worship, other, other people in the same room as us, and someone lifts a hand up or lifts two hands up, and we're just like, that's kind of unique. And we, we get that way. Man, may we never be that way. We have made worship about us. We're not focused. Man, they're, they're trying, they're worshiping God, and we're sitting over here like worshiping ourselves pretty much, consumed with our own desires, wants, and needs, and not even focusing on what's going on. Same thing happened in Mark, Mark chapter 14. And I'm not going to go there and read it. I want to move through it. But this is the story when Mary broke the alabaster box and, 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 and washed uh, over his head and, and washed. You know the story when they washed uh, his feet with the hair, with the tears. And you talk about emotions. You talk about, about emotional worship. And what happened? She was criticized. I can't believe she would do that. I can't believe she would use that and waste that money and on and on and on. And Jesus said, hey, leave her alone. <laughs> she had done what she could. He was pleased. It doesn't seem that the Lord is worried about us being over-emotional in our worship of Him. In fact, we see in the Bible that He commends it. Are you worshiping with your heart? With your heart. 
We must worship God with our hearts. It's okay to be, it's okay to have emotion when we worship with our mind. Colossians, um, Colossians uh, 3.16, I put the wrong verse, that's fine. I'm going to read Colossians 3.16 here. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Worshiping God in our time here as a church, worshiping God not just with your heart, but with your mind. When we're singing about the cross, are you thinking about the cross? When we're singing about creation, are you thinking about creation and how God created this world for us? When you think, of, uh, when we're singing about God delivering from trials of the grace of God, are you thinking about your trials, uh, but then thinking of the grace that God gives you to make it through each trial? When we sing about Jesus, are you thinking about Jesus? When we sing about the resurrection, are you thinking about uh, Christ and the power of the resurrection that's in you? Thinking of the change that he has made in you. Listen, oftentimes we can sing a great song like the old rugged cross, but instead of thinking about what the song is saying, instead we start thinking about how we used to sing it as a kid, and oh, my grandma used to love that song. And there's nothing wrong with having great memories when it comes to songs. But listen, nostalgia is not worship. Just because a song uh, was something from our childhood that we really loved and we really enjoyed it and it gives us good memories of my church growing up, that's all great and grand. I, I, listen, I have the same thing. But when it's time to worship God, I don't even be thinking about uh, how this song affected me when I was seven years old. I didn't think about right now. Man, thank God for the cross. Thank God uh, that I can cling to that cross and, and have victory in this life and this fall world because of Christ. Worship is not about us. We've got to worship God with our mind. Are you thinking about what we're singing about? Worship God with your soul. That verse in Mark 12 says, with all your heart, with all your, with all your mind, with all your soul. Psalm uh, uh, 35, verses 9 and 10 uh, says, And my, my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in His salvation. All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee, which delivers the poor from him that is too strong for him, yea, the poor and the needy from him that spoileth him. Listen, worship God with your soul and the deepest part of you. You're redeemed. You're set apart. You're, you're a child of God. You've been set free from the chains of sin. We sang this morning, my chains are gone. I've been given freedom. Listen, one day you're going to sing this song that the, that the angels can't sing. And, in that, and, and, and when we're singing together, listen, you've got to worship God with your soul. From the depth of your soul, worship God. During worship, sometimes you have to constantly reel yourself back into what you're doing. Listen, it's easy to lose focus. It's easy to, like I talk about, but listen, you got to sometimes say, no, I'm, I'm worshiping God right now. I'm not going to lose focus. I'm not going to, no, I'm going to get right back into this. I'm worshiping God. Worship God with your soul, with everything in you. You're worshiping the living God. He's here and he's waiting to hear from you. you to set aside the stress. Set aside the worries. Leave your, leave your cares at home. And if you bring your cares here with you, then leave them at the altar. Your fears of life. Man, set aside your pride and come to the table and worship. Man, we're given such a great opportunity that we take for granted to worship God. Psalm 18 is full of scriptures, and we're almost done. I'm going to read these scriptures with you. And I want you to think about what David's saying here. Okay? David says, the sorrows of death compassed me and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. 
lot of bad news there. In my distress, I call upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him even, unto, even into his ears. He sent from above. This is verse 16. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from them which hated me, for they were too strong for me. They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. For thou wilt light my candle, verse 28. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a wall. He's just testifying. David's just talking about all that God has done. For, uh, as, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. For who is God save the Lord? Who is a rock save our God? It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. You see, David, throughout this whole passage, is talking about all the things that happened to him, but how God brought him out of it. All the uh, troubles, all the stress, all the trials, all the pain that he went through. And what does he say at the end of that chapter? He says, therefore, after all that, after all that, therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and what? And sing praises unto thy name. You know what to help you get some peace some calm in the midst of your trials that you do carry with you, worship. Worshiping God. Lifting your voice to God. Lifting your hand to the Lord and saying, listen, I'm, I'm worshiping you. You're all that matters. I'm leaving everything else at home. Nothing else matters but me and you right now, God. Forever you are glorified. Forever you are lifted high. You're risen. You're alive. We sing hallelujah. Worship with your soul. And worship with your strength. Psalm 63, verse 4 and 5 says, Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. Praising God with your strength. I mean that in a physical way. By lifting your voice. Listen, you want to raise a hand? Go right ahead. I'd love to see that. Listen, I'm talking about the vision for our church, how I want our worship to look. I don't want it to be just about, you know, performance. It's not, a, it's not about you doing anything for me. But listen, if you raise your hand, I'm, I'm excited. If you're worshiping God, if you, if you close your eyes when you're singing, I don't care. I'm pumped. I'm excited. Listen, I do that all the time, and I'm the one that has to lead it. Sometimes I have to bring myself back and say, you have to teach this song to them. Don't, don't forget, you know, they need to learn this song. Listen, raising your voice is singing out. Maybe your head might be bowed and you're just praying, you're just talking to God. I don't care. Worship with your strength. Uh, we had some friends here, Angie and Cody were here a few weeks back, and I, we were singing, oh, come to the altar. I look out and Angie's just sitting there, and she's, she's just swaying, and she's got her hands up. And listen, you may say, well, that looks kind of weird. Listen, I didn't feel weird at all. I was blessed by that. She was worshiping. You tell me where that's wrong in the Bible. You give me verses you can't do that when you're worshiping, then listen, I'll bring you to that verse about David. <laughs> listen. I'm telling you, worship God with your strength. It's okay. Your personal worship. We just read the scriptures there. Listen, he says, I will lift up my hands in, in thy name. It's okay to lift your hands. It's, listen, it may not be mandated in scripture, but it certainly is commended. It certainly is encouraged. But oftentimes we don't want to because of our own pride and nervousness. We say, I don't want to look weird. Listen, we can't just give our energy and strength to things that really don't matter in the grand scheme of things. That can't be all there is to it. We can't just do that. Listen, we give strength and energy to our jobs, and we should. We should. I'm not going to be up here and be like, well, you do, you know. Listen, we give strength and energy to our families, and we should. We give strength and energy to our hobbies, and we should. 
There's nothing wrong with any of that. But when worship time comes in churches all across America, and in our church, I don't want it to be this way. I'm not saying it has been. I'm just saying this is my heart. Listen, worship is often done half-heartedly with minimal energy, and it just becomes something to just, to just get through. We must worship Him with everything we've got. Every time we're given the opportunity. We've got to worship Him with our strength. Psalm 111 verse 1 says, Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Listen, our worship here at Coastline, when we gather together, we're gathering to worship God. That, that's why we're here. Yes, we're worshiping through, through song. And listen, right now, the Word of God being preached, that's worship. And when we pray together in a few minutes, that's worship. Listen, when a time does come for us to corporately and together as a group of believers sing, worship God, man, let's make it real. Let's do it with our hearts, with our mind, and think about it, and with our, with our uh, uh, heart and mind and our soul, the deepest part of us, and with our strength. Show your worship to God. Listen, I'm sorry, the uh, hands in pockets and, and uh, kind of glance, that's, that's, that's not really biblical posture for worship from what I've seen. Let's not make it half-hearted. Let's give it all. And this is just part one. Next week, when we talk more specifically about the kinds of songs that we're going to sing and what the Bible says about worship, more about what the Bible says, we're going to look at some Old Testament Hebrew words that, that are used for worship and praising in, in, in the Bible and see what they mean. And, and we're going to talk about how to truly worship in church, uh, uh, continue that. And I just want to continue to share my vision for the worship of our church because it's so important. It's so important. That's why I'm taking the time to do it. Listen, we're new. We're a new church. I'm a new pastor. But I want to set the direction of our church now for our worship. And, and how I, I don't want it to just be this is song service that we just do it and it's part and then we got to I want it to be real. I want it to be authentic. And we're going to do what we did last. We're going to sing that song again forever. We just learned it today. And I want you to really think about what we've learned today, what we've talked about today, and worship God. You may be tired. You may be warm. I'm a little warm. I forgot to turn the heat off before we started. And I was sweating up here. But who, who really cares about how I feel? It's about God. And worship is about Him. And let's make it about Him. I read the lyrics earlier, and I'm not going to read them again. But think about what we're singing. Thanks, buddy. Sorry. Let's, let's stand together. We're going to sing, and then we'll pray. And let's make it real today, church.